Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative to this guy for wisdom. Welcome to the Drew Allen Show. Back to the Drew Allen Show. This is, in fact, Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. Gosh, it is good to hear the sound of my voice again. I missed it so badly, and you, but really, it's good to be back. I, I hope you didn't think I was just done throwing the towel out there that Drew Allen was gone, or maybe the FBI came and arrested me. I mean, that, that's, that's a possibility these days, but no, 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 just had a lot going on. Some of you, I was putting out a little bit of content. Some of you uh, might have listened to the shorter clips, a little bit different format, right? Scripted kind of thing. Uh, it's good. Kept the juices flowing. It's a different kind of craft, different kind of art. I am a writer after all, and uh, previously in another life, uh, an actor too. So I'm here. A lot has happened. So much has happened, as a matter of fact. Some of these things that I've put in those shorts uh, will come to, to back to light today here. Uh, but I, I, before I get into this episode, everyone knows what the elephant in the room is, what they're doing to Trump right now and all of that. And I, and I, I, I think about Rush Limbaugh when, when, you know, he was kind of the, the alarm for Americans. He was the one that you listened to to tell you it was time or not time to panic. And of course, for Rush, it was never time to panic. No matter what was happening, he assured you that it was not time to panic. And I don't think that Rush Limbaugh would ever, no matter what was happening, no matter the circumstances, I do not believe that Rush Limbaugh would ever say it was time to panic. Because that's not what Americans do. We fight back. We stand our ground. We just don't panic. And I think that Rush Limbaugh was a unique person because he was so optimistic. A lot of, look, I am not a inherently optimistic person. When it comes to the country, it's different. I am. I am an optimist when it comes to the country and our future together and what we're going to do and how we're going to get out of things. I am that way. I don't think it serves us to do, to, to, to be pessimistic about it. I think you can be realistic, but you don't know what's going to happen in the future and all you can do is, is press forward. But in my own life, it's something I struggle with. It's something that I, I really, I'm, 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 well, naturally, maybe it's not naturally. Maybe it's because of life experience and, you know, my brain's been rewired. But, you know, for a long time, I, I'm a naturally pessimistic person in my own life, right? I mean, I'm, I struggle with that and I've worked hard to overcome that and become more optimistic. But I don't think it's time to panic regardless of what's happening now. I was thinking about Valley Forge in relation to the just obvious, unignorable despotism that is overtaking this country right now. And Valley Forge, I think it was 1777, the Revolutionary War was already underway. And... George Washington led his troops to Valley Forge outside of Philadelphia. There were about 12,000 soldiers, I think, militiamen, 
maybe 400 women and children as well. And these these soldiers, look, there was no America, right? I mean, well, he, he's just been, their independence had been declared, but there was no constitution. There was none of this yet. They were just in the midst of this war fighting for their independence. So you had all these soldiers from all over the country. They really didn't have anything in common. They were colonists. There was no, no, no unity in the sense of, hey, we're Americans. I mean, that didn't exist yet, despite what they were fighting for. And all these people came together at Valley Forge, where they hunkered down for the winter. And they essentially built a city. They put up all these log cabins. Um, they had to build their own shelters. Otherwise, they were going to die. It was cold, obviously, at the, in that part of the country. And as many as 2,000 soldiers did die that winter. Think about it. That's an enormous number of people. 2,000 people died, not from gunfire, not from battle, just from the, the hardship of winter, a lack of supplies, a lack of clothing. They froze to death. You had different diseases that came through the camp and white people out as well. And the British forces were in Philadelphia at the time. I mean, Valley Forge is right outside of Philly. And just, just over the uh, bend, if you will, you had them stationed in Philly. And the reason I bring this up is because you hear a lot about Valley Forge, how miserable it was, how hard it was, how dangerous it was, right? 2,000 people died of, of the, the cold and disease and so on and so forth, lack of boots and things like that. But the troops, despite their circumstances, they had pretty good morale. That's the silver lining in all of this. Even amidst all of this happening, the backdrop of starvation or death or freezing and disease and people dying around them. I mean, legitimate fears. A, a British force is not far from you. Morale was relatively good because they had a feeling at that moment that they could win the war. They were united in their purpose, united in their desire for freedom. And these were soldiers that, that had to be trained over that winter, over the course of that winter. Different backgrounds. You had indigenous people there. I mean, you had Europeans. I mean, it was a mishmash. I mean, it was the American melting pot. People from all over, all different backgrounds right there, but united with one purpose. And that, of course, was fighting for their liberty, defeating the British army. No easy task. And I think that that is the attitude that we need to adopt for ourselves. Think of Valley Forge. Think of what they were up against. We need in this moment to really, really guard our minds and guard our morale. You have to take care of your mind and your soul in this moment because it's only going to get uglier. But because it gets uglier doesn't have any bearing on what's to come in the sense that this isn't a loss for us. This isn't some, this isn't the battle where we're losing right now. We know what the Democrats are doing. And I got to tell you, just stop censoring yourself. You know, we can kumbaya, love one another, you know, whatever. But we're in a war right now. It's not a hot war. It's our own cold war, if you will. But I would argue that it's, it's closer to a hot war. I mean, when you talk about the Russians and the Cold War and so on and so forth, I mean, that was a cold war. 
But we have a Democrat party that is rounding up political opponents and trying to put them in jail. It's a somber moment, and we need to take it seriously, and we need to just commit ourselves to doing what needs to be done to overcome this situation. And, you know, look, who cares about the feelings of Democrats right now? I mean, they are gaslighting us like crazy, comparing Trump to Hitler, calling us the despots, saying that Trump's a tyrant. It's all a cover-up. I mean, I saw Jamie Raskin repeating one of these BS claims. I mean, it's, it's like uh, the mental illness on display every day from the left is really astounding. I mean, these people really should be in straitjackets in a mental institution. I, I mean, that's how sick these people are. I got an article in a minute. Well, in a little while, we'll get to, you know, millennials, a plurality of millennials want woke pronoun censorship. They want to put, put you in jail. They want to make it a crime to misgender somebody. That's millennials. I'm a millennial. Obviously, I don't think like that. But uh, yeah, back to Jamie Raskin. You know, he, 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 you know, this is how they pitch this. They say, they say Trump is only running for re-election to shield himself from criminal prosecution. I mean, these people will justify any unlawful, any tyrannical, any amoral, any evil act that they commit. And it's maddening. It's maddening what they're doing because we live in reality and they don't. And it just gets really old listening to these people spout out these lies. I mean, these people don't know about anything. They don't care about Trump-Russia collusion. They don't care about the quid pro quo impeachment hoax. They don't care about the obvious evidence that Joe Biden is in the tank, bought off, bribed, corrupt, paid by the communist Chinese. I mean, this is a national security threat. As was, of course, the cocaine in the White House. If they can bring cocaine in the White House and sneak that in, then they can sneak in what? anthrax, something else. And it's not being taken seriously because they know who it was. And look, you know, I, I, I'm not Dan Bongino with the Social Security Connects and stuff, but people have told me that, you know, a congressman has said that the Social, the social Security, that's maybe that's what we should call them, the, <laughs> the Secret Service. I don't know. That's a dad brain. But they destroyed the evidence. I mean, that's consistent with how they've treated the Biden family in the past. No, no doubt in my mind they would destroy the evidence. They know exactly who it was. It was more than likely Hunter Biden. Frankly, the way they've reacted to this, just covering it up, not interviewing anyone, it's proof that it was Hunter Biden. They wouldn't be doing this for anyone else. And one of my shorts that I did, maybe you didn't get a chance to listen to, you can go back and find it. It's on the, on the podcast or on my Substack. I've got the video up. You know, there's a teacher earlier this year, I think it was, in Texas. And she faces 10 years in prison for cocaine. Now, what happened in the school, uh, you know, t- a teacher, administrator, somebody found cocaine just like w- what was in the White House. They found it in the teacher's bathroom, the, the employee bathroom at this, I think it was an elementary school. And they immediately called the police. They came in and searched the building. And they searched the cars in the parking lot, and they found additional cocaine in the car of this teacher. She committed a crime, a, a huge crime. They didn't sweep this under the rug. I mean, the, you know, the White House is like a, a, a safe zone for illicit drug abuse. And we know that 
I mean, it, it, it's just no family, no president, no human being has done more to deface the White House and the presidency than Joseph Robinette Biden. No one. No one. It's, it's outrageous. It's egregious. It's humiliating for all of us in this country who love it, who watch this guy with Alzheimer's or dementia. I mean, I don't have, I, look, I don't have any audio video for today. It's just me. Just me. But, you know, Joe Biden just met with the prime minister of Israel. And he's sitting there and his, his head, if you're watching, you know, he's just, he's like this the entire interview. I mean, I can't talk in the microphone actually ever do that, but you know, he's, he's got his, he's got his chin tucked down into his neck and he's mumbling like he's asleep, like he's half asleep throughout this interview, national security threat. And somehow Democrats have a problem with Donald Trump support this guy, Joe Biden, despite everything that's happened in this country. Despite the, de- I mean, it's crazy that people don't even have any degree of self-preservation. This is what's crazy to me, Captain. If you were just thinking about your own family, screw politics, right? Forget politics if you can for just a minute. I know that's impossible these days, but screw politics. All right. Wages are down because of inflation. Energy costs are up. You go to the grocery store and you're spending almost double what you were a year ago or two years ago, or certainly when Trump was in office. Life has become increasingly unaffordable. We have an open border. More than 7 million illegals have come into this country from God knows where. Military age males. We just saw what took place in France with their immigrants that are lighting the entire country on fire. We have the same problem here in this country. Terrorists being caught. Well, some of them, right, apprehended. So we know they're terrorists on the terror watch watch list trying to come into this country. How many have gotten away? You look at the education system. You look at these schools across the country. They're lowering standards for your own kid. They're getting rid of aspects of algebra because some other kid isn't so good at algebra. So instead of lifting everybody up, they bring everybody down. Let's make everyone illiterate. That's fair. No one can do math. That's fair. Everyone's an idiot. That's fair. That's what they're doing. You've got a government that is promoting and implementing policies in public schools that encourage mental illness of our kids. Telling them to choose their genders. Telling them they can pick what they are. I'm a male. I'm a female. I can put on a dress and rape a girl in the skirt. Look at me. Whoop-de-doo. Thank you, school. Thank you, Biden. I can rape women now. Amazing. You've got them promoting these life-altering, Surgeries, mutilation, that's what it is. Torture, chopping off your pee-pee, chopping off your breast when you're 12 years old, 13 years old. And in a state like California, what they're trying to pass here, of course, is legislation that will allow the government to take my child away if I stop or prevent or tell my child that they can't go and chop their pee-pee or their breasts off when they're 12 years old. How about that? You've got a war supposedly. I mean, there's some kind of war happening. We just don't know much about it. But we've got something happening, a conflict happening in in Ukraine, which I don't give two craps about. But it's happening over there. Our government cares very much because Ukraine is where they do all their corruption. 
Ukraine, for some reason, is where, well, it's the 51st state of the United States. That's what it is. And it's been that way. I've talked about it. I'm not going to get into it. It'll take me 60 minutes to do it. But it's essentially a territory. Ukraine's not a sovereign country. We have supported coups there to get our way. I mean, we are running the Ukrainian government. We have been for the past 20-some-odd years. That's the reality. Whenever Ukraine, a president, does something that we don't like, whenever they start to get closer to Putin and Russia, we come in and we support a revolution to kick that guy out and put our own guy in that's going to be our lapdog. So you've got China, the most dangerous threat, I think, in our history. World War II is a big deal, for sure. Obviously, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and that created our, was the impetus for our entry into the war. But before that, World War II had nothing to do with us. It had to do with our allies and so on and so on, but it wasn't affecting us here at home, per se, right? Until Pearl Harbor. But China, China, the way we've handed over Basically, all of our, our labor supply, the way we depend upon them, our economy is wholly dependent upon them, and we will not decouple from them under the Biden administration. You have them openly saying, their generals, yes, we anticipate going to war with the United States. They've said that out loud. We know that's their intention. They're going to take Taiwan at some point. Our military is weakening. Theirs is strengthening. They're making deals with Europe, with France. We're losing allies by the day. China grows stronger, we grow weaker. What's going to happen when they decide to go to war with us? Now we know that the Biden administration has given the green light for reservists to be called into Europe for potential placement in Ukraine. And by the way, with special forces and all of that, I wonder how many American troops are already in Ukraine. We'll never know. We'll never know. That's the point. So you've got World War III rapidly approaching. You've got the collapse of our economy. You've got the forced transition of our economy as well away from affordable fossil fuels, which are not damaging the environment, to green new energy, which does great damage to the environment. And frankly, there's not enough of it anyway. It's not realistic. So we're going to have energy shortages. You will be wishing for the day that gas was $10 a gallon. Because at least when gas was $10 a gallon, you'll tell yourself, I could still get gas. Well, you won't, not only will you not be able to get gas in the future, and just, we're talking 10 years from now, by the way, 10 years from now, if this administration persists, if they get another four years, these Democrats, bye-bye, bye-bye America and your way of life. We'll be living like cave people, totally controlled. You'll be taking mass transportation everywhere because... There won't be energy, even if you can afford an electric vehicle to get anywhere. And that's the whole point. Oh, that's a conspiracy theorist. No, none of this is conspiracy anymore. Now I'm going to say something very controversial because it's true. The Democrats stole the 2020 election. 100%, 0% doubt in my mind. It's obvious now. It was obvious then to me. But, you know, people were scared of what people would say. No, no. Even though the Democrats have previously, previous history of stealing elections in this country. JFK stole an election. The Democrats stole an election for JFK. Read about that. Go back to 1876, the contested election of 1876. You know, nobody talks about this because we've got a bunch of dumb people in this country. But I'm talking about it. 1876. And this is leading into what's happening to Trump. Are you ready? And elsewhere. 
1876, to rehash, it's been a while, Samuel Tilden was a Democrat nominee for president. And he was facing off with Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican candidate. And in the southern states, the south, right, the Democrats cheated. They cheated. So Samuel Tilden won the popular vote. And Rutherford B. Hayes and the Republicans said, you mother effers cheated. And they refused to concede because they had balls back then. So they hashed out some kind of agreement behind closed doors. They didn't have any way to deal with this. It was just, this guy stole the election. We know he did. So what do we do now? Well, thankfully, they met behind closed doors and figured it out before another civil war broke out. And because of that, because of that instance in our history of cheating, just 10 years after the Civil War, 10 years later after that election, in which they, the Democrats tried to steal it, well, they passed the Electoral Count Act. And that is what has been used multiple times in this country to contest elections. It's a lawful legal process. Let me say that again. It's a lawful legal process derived from actual law. A law that was put in place coincidentally to deal with situations like 2020. And so in those circumstances, when people believe there was voter fraud, when people believe that there was cheating that took place, because it does happen, even in this country, well, the quote-unquote losing side that is disputing it, can send alternate electors. Remember, it's ultimately electors that ele- electoral college, right? I mean, I, you guys know this. I don't, I don't have to treat you like Democrats. But you can send alternate electors in. And the, the goal is, of course, to contest it, and then they can choose and side with the other electors if they want, all right? So this happened in 2020. Democrats have done this in the past. In 1960, Kennedy did this. The Democrats did this with Kennedy. I think it was actually, I think, I think one of the places they did it was, uh, most famously, was Hawaii. I think it was Hawaii. I think that Nixon, I'll have to check this. Dangerous territory here. Don't want to lose my credibility. Talking about 1960, many years before I was alive. But I think Hawaii was won by Nixon, and it was challenged. And it ultimately flipped to Kennedy when they did a recount. But alternate electors were sent in that scenario as well. So now you have uh, Governor Disgrace, Whitmer. She just, I don't know if she charged them or what, I guess she charged them. 16 people who were alternate electors uh, in 2020. And it's a big dog and pony show. Because, you know, Right now, they're picking the grand jury in Georgia, the grand jury that's supposed to succeed in removing Donald Trump from the race, right? They want to charge him with seditious conspiracy. And to do that, they're going to have to prove that someone else was also involved. You can't conspire alone. So now we find out that the feds have seized Trump's advisor's phones in the January 6th investigation. I mean, look, This is what the Democrats, this has been their goal the whole time. 
I know there's still shock, but we knew this moment was coming. <clears throat> we knew it was coming. They've been trying to do this since January. Sorry, not January, but they've been trying to do this since 2016. 2016. And I just, you know, I'm really losing my patience. I don't have a lot of uh, sympathy, empathy, compassion for any Democrats out there who are cheering this and who are attacking me and Republicans and conservatives because they're going to burn our country to the ground and they're responsible, not us. I mean, how they can sit there and ignore the multiple, well, 2016, there was election interference. It wasn't done by Trump. It was done by Clinton. Trump-Russia collusion, the hoax, steel dossier, campaign finance violation even, paid for uncorroborated, salacious claims. Trump went to a Moscow hotel room and he did a PP with some hookers. We've got the video, I swear. We're going to dig up the video. It never happened. Never happened. But that's the kind of crap that they use to justify the Mueller investigation. A PP tape in Moscow. What a joke. Disgrace. Quid pro quo, same thing. Donald Trump was, was, it was over the target. He was going to look into what Joe Biden actually did and get to the bottom of the fact that he was bribed in Ukraine when he got the Victor Shokin, the lead prosecutor looking to Burisma, which employed Hunter Biden, when he got that person fired, yeah, it was bribery. So what did they do to, to, to take attention away from that? They had to react with maximum force. They impeached Donald Trump for a perfectly fine phone call. And then we go to 2020. COVID unleashed. The BLM riots unleashed on the country. Race riots fomented, created, instigated by Democrats who supported violence and burning our streets. Thing after thing after thing. The suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. 51 intelligence agents lying, lying about its authenticity. Knowing it was real but they didn't want that to be part of the election. I mean, you know, this government has tipped off investigators time and time again, Hunter Biden. They've let him know when they were coming for his documents so he could hide them, get rid of them. And now we've got the Democrats trying to totally destroy, get rid of elections in America. And that's what this is about. They've always wanted, always, always, always the tyrant so that they are. They've wanted to eliminate elections in the United States of America. And this is what they're doing. When you cannot choose your own candidate to run against the Democrats, you don't have elections. And that's what's taking place here. That's what their goal is. So this, um, this crap with, you know, them arresting these alternate electors or whatever they're, I don't, I don't know what, Democrats have some name for everything. But these individuals did not commit a crime at all. They didn't do anything wrong. And they probably won't even ultimately be found guilty of anything, but they've got to create the circumstances, the, 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 the facade, if you will, ahead of this grand jury selection to make it seem like something was done that was wrong. And it's so funny, Captain, because, you know, now the FBI is announcing they're going to charge Ray Epps. They're going to indict Ray Epps or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I get the, the, the legal jargon confused sometimes. But anyway, they're going after Ray Epps finally, like they've done all the other J6 folks. And the New York Times and everyone reporting on this is not reporting that this was an insurrection. So it's so ironic to me 
At the very moment that the media has changed their terminology for January 6th, it's no longer an insurrection. It was a protest or a violent protest or whatever in terms of, of now Ray Epps's involvement. Well, now at the same time, now they can't make up their mind and now they want it to be an insurrection again. They need it to be an insurrection, but it wasn't an insurrection. And of course, you got 40,000 hours of videotape out there from the Capitol. Yeah, 40, I know it didn't last 40,000 hours for the dumb libs listening out there. You got all these different closed circuit cameras, right? So it adds up to 40,000. You know, you think about it, Captain. You got all these cameras, right? 40,000. Can you imagine if cocaine was... Do you think they could find the cocaine with those cameras? They can't find the cocaine in the White House with cameras. What a joke. Drug addict Hunter Biden. So anyway, so federal investigators have seized the phones of advisors... This isn't, even, this isn't even the people around him on January 6th. This is people currently, right? Okay. So advisors to 2024 GOP frontrunner Donald Trump as part of an investigation into the events of January 6th. According to the Times, New York Times, the phones of Boris Epstein, described as an in-house counsel who helps coordinate Mr. Trump's legal efforts and campaign strategist Mike Roman, so they're going after people close to Trump now because, you know, Trump and his people around him, of course, are probably communicating about this stuff. And they're probably developing strategies to deal with this witch hunt, this hoax. So not only are they trying to steal Donald Trump's playbook, right? They're also looking to take any text message, take any communication that they can misconstrue in any way of, of you know, it, 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 look, you're going to have this leaked soon. This is going to be leaked just like the classified documents crap. They're going to leak, leak, leak. Because at the end of the day, the grand jury, you just have to have a majority. You don't have to have a unanimous vote. So they're hoping they can convince a bunch of drugged out, brain dead, indoctrinated Democrats on this grand jury, a majority, to go ahead and try and put Trump in jail now for sedition. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, think about this. I mean, they, they, these guys can break the law anytime, any way they want. They've been doing it for years. We don't break any laws and we find ourselves behind bars. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's one thing on top of the other. I mean, this is the end of the Republic. This behavior. And, and, you know, I know we like to live in fantasy land. We like to think that in the 21st century, you know, the types of uh, violent activities, I mean, they do happen here. BLM, all this, it happens all the time, but most of us on the right, we're peace-loving Americans, right? We're the people Abraham Lincoln talked about. We're really slow to violence, really slow to violence. That, that, it just The thought of it just makes us sick. But when you have... The people tasked with enforcing the law, with putting people in jail, when you have those people, the judges, the FBI, all these individuals, right, who are supposed to uphold the law, when you have them acting lawlessly, right, and abusing their power, who checks them? Huh? Who's going to check the FBI? Who's going to check all of this stuff going on? There's no one to do it. Do you understand where I'm going with this? It's not a happy place. 
And you know, if you think Drew Allen is insane, Drew, oh my, Drew's inciting an insurrection. Yeah, well, you know, most people agree that Abraham Lincoln was a pretty stellar guy. And you can read a speech that he gave 20 years before he was president of the United States in which he warned about the Civil War. It took 20 years to get there, but Abraham Lincoln was on it long before. And you know what he talked about? Basically, what's in the Declaration of Independence? You know, after a long train of abuses, you know, it's the people's right to rise up and abolish the government. That's the Declaration. And that's basically what Abraham Lincoln said. He had mob rule. I mean, obviously, a lot of his stuff was race-related that he was referring to, lynch mobs and so on and so forth. But, you know, either everybody abides by the law or you have anarchy. And, you know, as Lincoln pointed out, when law-abiding, peaceful Americans who want nothing but to enjoy the fruits of the revolutionaries who gave us this amazing country, when they look around them and their family and friends are being arrested and round up and killed by mobs and so on and so forth, and they look to the government, and the government's not going to come in and protect them. Well, guess what happens next? Thoughts come into those even peace-loving Americans, and they have one option left. And that's why they want the guns. That's why they don't respect the Second Amendment, because these people want to push us to that point. They want to push us to that place. And they want to make damn sure that we are unarmed. It's heavy stuff, I know. But, you know, I, I, I mean, look, I'm around people all the time. They just want to live in fantasy land. Even people who think like I do in terms of, you know, political philosophy. I'm just telling you. I mean, it's happening. It's on our doorstep. How many times do you have to bring up Nazi Germany? How could that happen in Nazi Germany? I just, I don't understand. How could it possibly happen the way it's happening now? You got a bunch of Americans, a bunch of Democrats who support it, who think there's nothing wrong with this, who think that the Nazis, or in this case, the Democrats, are valiant, that they're moral. You know, they got their scapegoat, they had the Jews in Germany, and today they have MAGA in America. And there's nothing they can't justify. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, there's other movements happening too. I've got a, a piece from, this is from... Uh, Daily Caller. Biden boots Daily Signal reporter from the White House press briefings. Two weeks from now, the Daily Signal's chief news correspondent, Fred Lucas, will lose his White House press credentials. It's the latest and perhaps most brazen attempt by President Joe Biden to limit media access to what he regularly calls the People's House. There's going to be more than just Fred Lucas that are kicked out. I mean, I am just telling you, they're laying the foundation for... 2024 is going to be a blackout. What they're trying to do is take complete control over the media landscape. They don't want me talking. They don't want you listening to Bongino or whoever you listen to. They don't want anybody speaking the truth. They want to scare the bejesus out of us and try and get us to shut up too. In the meantime, they want these press briefings to become more and more like propaganda meetings. Look, the left, they'll go along with this. Even, even, even relatively decent reporters, if that's even a reality anymore, they come from these left-wing outlets, whether it's CNN or whatever, that are in these press briefings, they are, uh, they're on that gravy train, right? They, 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 they depend upon their relationship with the White House. So if the White House says jump, CNN's going to do it. But you got people like Fred Lucas, 
You've got uh, the 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 literally an African. Uh, what what's his name? Simon Ataba. Remember him? I mean, uh, the 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 lesbian Kareem John P. I'm just saying because she you know she advertises herself that way. It's like a big deal. She's historic. You know, black lesbian, whatever. She's got a, you know her head hair looks like mop, a mop. That's the real takeaway. But, you know, she hates Simon Ataba. It's like black-on-black crime in there when you watch those two go at it, you know? It's, it's like being in the inner city of Chicago watching those two go at it. Except Simon's a good guy. She's just a... I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, they don't, they don't want these people in there. And, of course, do you remember when Trump was, was president? I know it seems like a long time ago. If you think about it, things were really good back then, by the way. So all you dummies out there that have a hard time decide, oh my, I don't like Trump and I don't like Biden. What am I going to do? Okay. Are you better off today under the Biden administration than you were under the Trump administration? Objectively answer the question. The only answer is hell no. You're not better off. So anyway, one of these rules they're putting in place, I'm, I'm scatterbrained a little bit, but one of the rules they're putting in place is, you know, they, they demand the Reporters Act in a professional manner and respect their colleagues, and they don't impede events or briefings. Now, this is highly subjective, and the reason they're doing this is because they're going to use this as a reason to kick out whoever they want. So they don't want a fired-up room. And look, the way they conduct these press briefings under the Biden administration, there really isn't back and forth. You know, there's these, you know, typically they have like a set up questions. And if she doesn't like a question, she just doesn't answer it. So the reporter has to shout out because they just want to shut these people down. They, they don't really want to. It's fake transparency. And of course, you had uh, CNN. What's that guy's name? Uh, Acosta. Yeah, Acosta, last name Acosta, whatever his first name is. John Acosta, I think, or whatever. But, you know, he, he's over at CNN, I think. He would constantly shout at Trump during press briefings. You remember these interactions? He wouldn't shut up. So, you know, but now that they want answers, well, they got to kick these reporters out of the room or kick them out completely, take away their press credentials. So it's just insane. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I watched the family leadership summit. Did you watch that captain? I'm gonna have a sip of coffee here. Did you watch that? Mm. Well, did you read about it? Did you kind of get the, get the, you know, basically, yeah, it was, uh, Tucker Carlson ended a lot of political careers. So I watched it and it's true. Tucker Carlson did, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I know people in Indiana, still look favorably on Mike Pence, but he'll get no uh, love from me. And that's the thing. All of these people, why are they really running for president? They don't stand a chance. So why are they doing it? Huh? What's the motivation? What's in their brains? Do they just lust for power? They lust for love? Do they just want to be a part of getting rid of Trump and attacking? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. And you can't compare 2024 to any previous election in our lifetimes, by the way. You just can't, you can't do it. So, 
I mean, that negates a lot of the arguments about, oh, you know, yeah, DeSantis, this will, yeah, I hear it from the, the people that are um, getting paid by DeSantis to go out there and, and uh, write the stupidest tweets ever. You know, this, this election campaign is just forget. No, it's, it's not. And uh, your boy DeSantis needs to go home too. I'm sorry. I look, you know, I just, I can't worry about everyone listening's feelings anymore. You know, if this was a different scenario, I would have a different tone on my podcast. I wish I could be more like early Rush Limbaugh. That's the truth. He had so much fun. He, he would joke around. But I just, you know, I pick and choose my times to pick. But it's just a different situation. When Bill Clinton was president, it wasn't the same as what we're facing today. And that's why, you know, I do. I wish, everyone wishes Rush was around. How would his show have evolved now? Where would he be? What would he be doing? What would he be saying? I guarantee you, in a better way, because he was the GOAT, he'd be saying a lot of things I'm saying and others are saying. It's the same theme. If your head's screwed on straight, you arrive at these conclusions and you see the tea leaves. And I got to tell you, Trump's the guy. Trump is the guy. And anybody with any amount of, how do I say this? I don't want to offend anybody. Those who know, know. I'll give you an example. Megyn Kelly. Water under the bridge. She has made up with Donald Trump. Remember, she hated Trump. And Trump said, Trump, look, he said something very nasty about Megyn Kelly. You know, he really did. He shouldn't have said it. It was wrong. But he said it. And, you know, Megyn Kelly, though, is supporting Trump. So you can see the people that know, the people that really understand what's going on, the people that see and have been in this for a while and are honest people, they know what to do. And I got to say, this is where I am with DeSantis. I'm pretty much done with the guy. And I'll tell you why. Anybody who can't come out and viciously savage the, the Biden administration for what they're doing, this weaponization of the DOJ, and defend wholeheartedly Donald Trump, they're frauds and they're cowards and they're a danger to the republic. Because DeSantis doesn't really have a chance of becoming president unless Donald Trump is, is taken off the ballot. That's the only way. And what you see from DeSantis is power corrupts. He's ambitious. And his ambition is destroying his principle. I'm sorry to say it. Whether it's coming from his wife or reinforced by his wife, I just got to tell you the way I see it. And that's what's going on. You know, DeSantis gave an interview on, uh, who, who did he give it? I forget the guy's name. He's on with CNN or something, did a little interview. And he's very weak because, you know, he doesn't want to defend Trump. And, you know, I don't care. There's bad blood in politics, period. I mean, people, people, people are like, people really overreact to some of these feuds. Like it's the end of the, it's politics. What are you talking about? The Clintons have had people killed so they could get their jobs. We're not doing that. But um, but I just, you know, it's like, it's like uh, RFK, RFK Jr. Here's a headline from Fox. He shrugs off Biden family corruption allegations. It's not going to be a spear tip to my campaign. I beg your pardon? This is the spear tip of everyone's campaign. Our national security and our future is at risk because the person in the White House is compromised and the Democrats are covering it up. That's not the, I mean, can you imagine, Captain? That's not going to be the spear tip of my campaign. He dismisses that as, um, what does he say? Because this ticked me off. Oh, yeah, yeah. What I've tried to do in this campaign is to focus on issues and focus on the values and not focus on ad hominem attacks. Ad hominem? 
I I'm sorry. There's evidence in front of our faces that we know proves that Joe Biden is a crook? And that much of the motivation and reason behind his decisions, which adversely affect us and benefit our enemies, is obviously because he's taken money from them? But the FBI won't investigate it. They have stonewalled investigations, hid the evidence. That's not... That okay, well, all you people that thought RFK Jr. was such a solid guy because you liked his position on vaccines or something like that, here's the real RFK Jr. I don't think it's important to talk about Joe Biden family corruption. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, and that's the same. And that's the thing with DeSantis. I mean... You know, it's just, we are living in a moment in American history which will be talked about and written about long after we're all dead. What is happening today in this country is on par with the Civil War. I mean, it's that big historically. I know it never seems like that living in the, look, Abraham Lincoln, the, I mean, when you're living history yourself, it doesn't seem to have such an impact, right? I mean, when you watch, you know, uh, documentaries about the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, it's like so heavy. You're so mesmerized. But they were just going through day to day like we are today. They had some visionaries, but they didn't look at themselves as like, they didn't have time. They were just doing what they felt was right. And thankfully, history worked out for all of us. And that's what I'm saying. You know, Abraham Lincoln couldn't sit there and predict, like, what was going to happen two years from then. He couldn't even predict that they were going to win this. You know, I mean, he didn't even want to fight a civil war, really. But the South forced his hand. The Confederacy forced his hand. And I'm just telling you, you've just got to dig deep right now and do what's right and say it with confidence and make sure that you're on the right side of history. Because our posterity is going to look back on this moment, and it's really decisive. It's really decisive. You know, it's it's like Reagan said, are you going to you want to spend your sunset years telling your children and grandchildren what it once was like to live in a country that was free? I don't want to be doing that. I'm not telling my daughter, 14 weeks old, I'm not telling her in the future, hey, your dad was a pansy. You know, sorry, I just I couldn't call it like I saw. I couldn't do anything. for. You. I'm sorry this country sucks for you. I just your dad was was a coward. I'm not I will not look at my daughter in the eyes and tell her that. And if you're a parent out there, I think really hard about, you know, what you want to tell them when they're older about the situation that's unfolding right now. Trump's not the bad guy here. And frankly, the more they try to force this shows you that they're trying to cover up more and more, trying to cover up what they did. And I'll tell you this. Everyone wants you to think Trump can't win because of 2020. Look, 2020 was unprecedented. COVID, mail-in ballots, fraud. Absolutely. You think Biden got 15 million more votes than Barack Obama over my dead body? No, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. He got more. Yeah, sure, he got more votes, but they weren't legitimate votes. I'll say it all day long because it's so obvious. And everything is about covering up what they're doing. And I'll tell you this. They do not want Trump running in 2024 because they know they're going to get shellacked. Because you know what? If they don't have mail-in ballots like they did, in 2020, as much as they've talked about 2024, hyped it up even more so than 2020, a threat to democracy, fascism, so on and so forth. What do you think the conclusion Americans are going to be forced to reach if Donald Trump 
Let's just say Donald Trump gets 74 million votes again. And let's say Joe Biden gets like 72. How do you explain the fact that somehow he just got like 15 million less votes than last time? Huh? So I'll end with this headline. Algebra one effectively eliminated from Harvard area middle schools because too many white and Asian students were taking it. I alluded to this in the beginning. This is what we call equity. Equity, right? So instead of finding ways to improve individuals' math skills that are falling behind, you just take people who are doing well in math and you dumb them down. The Democrat Party is never going to lift everyone up. This, what they're doing with algebra, is what they're doing for the country, the recipe. We want everyone equally poor. We want everyone equally ignorant. We want everyone equally enslaved, except for us, of course, the Democrats. So that's all I'll say about that, huh? All right, Captain. Well, it's, um, it's been really great to be back with you. We're getting into the flow again. It's been a couple weeks. I still feel pretty good. I don't know. What do you think, Captain? Does show up? Does show up game time? Okay, good. Um, you know, we'll talk about it. I don't know if I'll be back again this week. Uh, I'll talk to Captain about it. I might be able to, but it's just, I got a lot going on. Uh, updates with a book and parenthood and my, my PR stuff. You know, it's like, it's crazy. But anyway, uh, I really love you all. I really appreciate you. Uh, can't do this without you, obviously. There's no reason to, because otherwise I'm talking to myself and I don't need to do that. So God bless you all. This is your Millennial Minister of Truth, and until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.